Welcome to CEC Explains, your deep dive into fascinating subjects from the worlds of engineering and the environment, brought to you by civil and environmental consultants. And now from our CEC studios around the nation, this is CEC Explains. Thank you everyone for joining us on this podcast. My name is Leah Blinn and I'm a vice president with civil and environmental consultants. I'm currently the corporate air practice lead and I sit in our Pittsburgh office, which is our headquarters. I'm also the Pittsburgh air practice lead. Uh, I've been doing air quality consulting for over 20 years now, um, and I have a chemical engineering degree from Penn State University. I have uh, the privilege of having my dear friend, Dave Miracle here with me on today's podcast. Dave is the corporate manager of sustainability at Nucor. Um, he and I have met, what, seven or eight years ago now, um, and we met through uh, the American Iron and Steel Institute's Environment Committee. Uh, both Dave and I have been active on that committee and volunteering for various work groups um, in that committee. Uh, so Dave, thank you for joining me and, uh, and welcome. And really, I just wanted to for you to give a brief background um, on you know your role with Nucor, as well as you know how you got to this position. Sure, Leah. Thank you and and CEC for for having me this morning. Nice to nice to be here. Nice to nice to see you again. Hard to believe it's been seven years, but uh, yeah, we've uh, we've had had some good times uh, hanging out, getting to know each other, and really appreciate all the all the hard work that uh, that CEC has done for for Nucor over the years. Yeah, so my, my background, I, uh, I'm a civil engineer from the University of Kentucky, and I've been in the steel industry now for, hard to believe it's been about 23 years and, and been with, with Nucor for two. Uh, currently, I'm the, as you mentioned, the corporate manager of sustainability for Nucor Corporation here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, you know, largest steel producer in the, in the country tip of the spear on sustainability. So excited to, to talk with you this morning and share a little bit more about, about Nucor and, and what we have going on. Thanks, Dave. And I know I speak for all of us at CEC. I mean, it's been great working with Nucor throughout the years, really developing a partnership um, with you and really the whole team there. So what's been new with Nucor? I know that 2021 was, was a great year for you all. Yeah, it was, a, it was my first full year with with Nucor, and and man, what a great great year it was! Uh, it was uh, it was incredible. A lot of a lot of records. You know, we had a eighty one percent increase in in revenue, uh, record set for sales and profitability, uh, record numbers of tons shipped to our customers. But really, most importantly, I want to make sure I highlight it. You know, it was it was the, it was the safest year we ever had. And it was our, our lowest ever injury and, and illness rate in the, in the company's industry in the company's history, and we're you know really proud of that. Also, on the flip side, you know, talking on the sustainability piece, we're 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 proud to announce we had a record you know record for our, our lowest ever year in in greenhouse gas and intensity, and you know as momentum continues to to build for you know, for, for companies, all industries, and including ours here at Nucor, you know, we're, we've really set trying to maintain our, our leading industry leading position, 
uh, when it comes to, to low greenhouse gases. So you know, we get questions coming from all directions. We've got customers that, that want cleaner supply chains. Uh, we have you know, stockholders, shareholders that are interested in talking about ESG. Uh, we've got we've got teammates and you know a lot of our, our our talent team here focused on making sure that 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 new candidates understand you know our position on sustainability sustainability and where we're going to be. Um, exciting times here at, at at Nucor for a whole bunch of reasons, and uh, you know proud to be a part of the sustainability team here. That's fantastic. And certainly we'll talk a little bit later about sustainability and greenhouse gas emissions. But I wanted to know, too, what do you think is has been, you know, some of the greater contributors to your, I guess, financial success over the last year or two? You know, it really comes down to investments that the that Nucor has made, you know, years ago. I mean, we have really brand new equipment when you compare us to a, a lot of our uh, a lot of our competition and just want to take a second to, to highlight the the new core culture uh, you have teammates here that are that are just driven to, to make sure we continue to be the best uh, best steel company in the in the country and lots of lots of different ways to be incentivized to do that. But, you know, we have teammates here that, you know, we get to know each other on a, on a very personal level. You know, it's not just a, you know, some nine to nine to five job. We spend time with each other, you know, away from work, get to know each other's families and really, really care about one each other, one another and um, all, all aligned here in, in, in making sure that uh, we stay on, on, on top of the steelmaking mountain here in this country uh, and really in the world. So. In, in, incredible company to be a part of. I'm just kind of learning my way around. Just been here a couple of years, but uh, been been overwhelmed by the by the support that, that that I've received personally. You know, my family's received, and uh, just the just the team here in in Charlotte, of course, and and all around the country. Thank you. That's probably why CEC and Nucor, I think, have worked so well together too. Um, you know, I think we're both based on on the same culture, the same mission, you know, and the same values. So that's great to hear. Um, I know you've been traveling a lot lately, particularly to your customers. And you did mention, you know, your customers are asking um, about your sustainability program. Um, what specifically are you hearing from your customers that's helping to drive um, sustainability? Sure. You know, all of our customers, you know, seem to have a... Uh... You know, different level of, of expectation when it comes to sustainability. Some are very evolved, and some are you know still still trying to trying to figure it out. And you know, one of our key initiatives have been to make sure that we are you know partnering with our customers to try to help them figure it out. You know, when when everyone's you know sitting around their boardrooms trying to figure out you know what are we going to do to to reduce to reduce carbon. You know, what's what are what steps can we take to uh, try to help resolve or uh, get get the get the world back on 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 course to resolve climate change? We want them to think about Nucor. You know, we want to be at the be at the top of their list. And um, you know, this this week had a you know great time with some of our automotive customers. Uh, they they certainly when they when you hear about sustainability questions. Uh, carbon is 
usually number one on the list, number one, two, and three, actually. So, I mean, that that's really driving um, most of our sustainability discussions. There's, there's clear, certainly other aspects, whether it's, you know, diversity inclusion or, you know, um, you know other corporate governance related topics. But for the most part, uh, the dialogue is almost always, you know, centered around, uh, around carbon. And uh, really, really excited about all the new investments that we're making. Uh, you know, the, the, the steel mill that's going to start up here really late this year in, in Brandenburg, Kentucky. Uh, it, it, it's going to be uh, the most incredible steel mill in the, in the world for manufacturing a plate. And, and part of the, the focus of that particular facility is going to be on the offshore wind piece of this. So we're, you know, we're going over to, you know, Europe in a couple of weeks to, to meet with, with a customer that's really uh, leading, leading the way on offshore wind. And they're, they're excited about uh, the mill there in Brandenburg and the, and the opportunities that, uh, that a partnership with, with Nucor could, could mean for them to help, to help grow their business. We of course share with, with all of our customers when it, when it comes to greenhouse gases, um, our goals, you know, just, just last year, as I mentioned, we, we had this record greenhouse gas intensity of 0.43, uh, tons of, you know, CO2 equivalents per, per ton of steel produced. And that was down from 0.47 in 2020. And, you know, that, that intensity, our steel making operations, uh, are, are less than a quarter of the global steelmaking average. And now they're, they're less than a fifth of the global integrated steelmaking average. And that's, that's just a, that's a huge number. And a, a lot of stakeholders that we're talking to, whether it's, whether it's customers or whether it's uh, someone in the government, they don't necessarily subtly realize that steel is, you know, can be made in two different ways. And they're, a lot of times blown away by the, by the vast difference and how low our greenhouse gas footprint is at, at Nucor versus a lot of our competition. It's just, it's just proof that Nucor is leading, uh, leading the way in, in greenhouse gases and we can do that and, and also lead the way on profitability. So, you know, said differently, profitability and sustainability can indeed uh, coexist. You know, Leah, when you, you know, when you look at the, the Paris agreement and it's, you know, it's most aggressive benchmark, try to be, you know, be that below two degrees scenario. Um, our, our greenhouse gas intensity today is already roughly, you know, half of that benchmark where, where the whole industry needs to be in 2030. So, you know, said, said differently, if we, if we did nothing differently for, you know, the next 20 years, we're, we're still on pace to hit that number. Um, so put it, put a different way, our, our performance, new course performance today is just what most of our global competition or they're, they're aspiring to, to achieve in 2040 and, and 2050 and beyond. That's really impressive, Dave. I, I can imagine it must be very difficult to gather information to be able to support, um, you know, your your carbon intensity. 
Um, in fact, I just gave a presentation this week at AIS Tech. Uh, it was based here in here in Pittsburgh. Um, and we heard a lot about sustainability, a lot about greenhouse gas emissions reductions at that conference, a lot of new technology that's out there. Um, but before we dig into some of the technology that you're looking at, I mean, what are the challenges, what challenges have you seen in just trying to gather the data from all of your various plants in order to uh, calculate, you know, your carbon intensity and your carbon footprint? Um, you know, you guys have a lot of a lot of plants. Uh, so how have you been able to um, to do that? relatively easily or not? I don't know. What challenges have you had? You know, great. It's, it's a great question. This company's a, you know, it's a monster. We have 25 steel mills. We're in the process of, uh, you know, commissioning, building or designing, what, five more. Um, and, and then on top of that, we, of course, have uh, our, our raw materials segment, which consists of a couple of DRI plants and really dozens of, of scrap yards all over North America. And then our products divisions, you know, you're, you're talking, uh, you know, well over 300 different locations. So it, it's a, it's a challenge to, to get the data. And even though we know, uh, you know, steel mills and DRI certainly make up the, the lion's share of our, our greenhouse gases, you know, the inventory process is, uh, you know, it, it can be tough. And I can't say enough about, but our teammates are really able to, to rally and, and turn the information around, you know, very, very quickly this year. Um, you know, we, we, we pretty much had our inventory put together by, you know, by call it mid-February. And it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge for, for a lot of publicly traded companies as the SEC rulemaking, of course, is um, on, on greenhouse gas inventory that's you know, coming down the pike. I mean, you're going to have to have your, your inventory done and, you know, verified by a third party before your uh, before you publish your 10K. So uh, it's 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 going to be about speed, and the team really uh, embraced that challenge, and we we're able to you know turn around the data you know very very quickly compared to uh, compared to years years past, and and actually take uh, our scope one and scope two emissions through a uh, third party verification process for our steel mills. So Dave, certainly Nucor has made great strides in greenhouse gas emissions reductions. What is the importance of reducing greenhouse gas emissions? Sure, so, you know, it's been established that, that climate change is a, be, being driven by a, a, a large amount of uh, you know, carbon dioxide in, in the atmosphere. So you know, the, the, the general notion is that we, we need as a, as, as a globe, as a world, to to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide being uh, created in, in order to make sure that the uh, that the globe does not uh, prematurely you know warm up. So when, when you hear someone talk about a uh, two degree scenario or a one and a half degree scenario, that's that's really coming up with where carbon emissions ultimately need to be in order to present, uh, prevent the, uh, you know, the earth from, you know, from, from warming up prematurely that, that amount. And, you know, when you think about steel and its overall carbon impact, 
And the general number you'll see out there is, you know, steel represents, call it, you know, seven or eight percent of the uh, greenhouse gas emissions across the world. And it's but it's important to put that number into context. For instance, in, in China, steel making is about 15 percent of the overall greenhouse gases in, you know, in, in that particular country. But here in the United States, it's closer to one. And the, the reason for one of the big reasons for the for the difference is uh, EF production here in the United States versus integrated steel producers, whereas most of the steel production in, in, in China and Asia is, is, is still using the, uh, you know, the, the blast furnaces and the, and the coke plants. So it's a uh, it's, it's certainly a, a, a global problem that, that deserves a, a global solution. And it's, it's nothing that can be fixed here in a vacuum in the United States. You know, every everyone is going to have to be on board. Thanks. And I know many companies are establishing their carbon footprint, you know, focusing on greenhouse gas emissions, you know, looking at scope one, two and three emissions. Certainly scope one, you know, are relating to emissions that are directly um, emitted from their facility. Uh, scope two emissions are, are coming directly from electricity that is purchased. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of scope one and two emission calculations. You know, companies are now looking at scope three, and I was hoping that you could help me define I know it's a broad definition um, for scope three, but maybe touch on you know the steel industry and what scope three may mean to the steel industry. Yeah, I get that question all the time. You know what what's the differences between these different scopes and kind of the simple way I explain it is you know scope one or direct emissions you know coming out your your stack right scope two or uh, uh, emissions associated with purchased electricity or purchased steam. And then scope three is really everything else. Um, so upstream emissions associated with the, the raw materials that are being created to support your, uh, your business or, or anything downstream, you know, emissions associated with uh, whatever widget you're making, you know, and, and so, so for instance, an automobile, um, you know the, the emissions coming from a from a tailpipe you know would really be a a scope three emissions for an auto, automobile provider so hopefully that that provides a little more a little more clarity yes thank you what was the first year that you um pulled together your scope one and scope two emissions what was your baseline year you know Nucor has has really led the pack i, th I think we may be the only steel company that reports scope three emissions um I know we were reporting data back as far back as 2015, but I, I, I think uh, the, the first year we were disclosing at least scope one and scope two emissions was probably back in the you know, 2012 sort of time period. So, you know, so call it a, a decade ago. And as, as these things go, and as, as CEC well know, and they have a lot of customers that you help with their greenhouse gas reporting, it's it's, it's not a perfect process and, and all you're trying to do every year is just, you know, get, get a little bit better, get a little more accurate and, and make sure, you know, you have all the, the, the sorting of the uh, supporting documentation to, to, uh, 
to, to back up your disclosures. Definitely. I mean, we're we're working right now with a number of customers on scope one, two, and three emissions, looking at baseline year 2020. So for you to have at least five years worth of data already um, is is really impressive. What what has Nucor done to achieve these these amazing greenhouse gas reductions? What's been some of your biggest needle movers um, on the greenhouse gas emissions front? Yeah, you, you think about it. I mean, you know, Nucor hasn't really been in this this the steel making business all that long. You know, about about a half century or so. And when you when you look back to how it all started, um, you know, Ken Iverson, our our, our CEO, back in the you know, late late sixties, we had a you know, Volcraft uh, division down in uh, Darlington or Florence, South Carolina, and you know, making making joist and got tired of, of paying high prices for steel substrate. So, you know, you heard about this electric arc furnace technology and it, you know, really wasn't very widely used anywhere, certainly not in the United States and said, you know what, let's try it. Um, so, you know, Nucor builds an EAF in Darlington, South Carolina. And before you know it, there was one in uh, Nebraska. And then, you know, here we are, whatever, 50, 60 years later and we've got 25 steel mills and, and buying five more. So it, it's really about investing in electric arc furnaces, which just have a inherent advantage over blast furnaces and BOFs and Coke plants when it comes to, to greenhouse gases. And of course, electricity is a, is a, as is natural gas, a huge part of the cost component. So our team is always, you know, looking for ways to be more, more energy efficient, whether it's uh, you're changing a, a slag foaming practice, or you know the, the the time period where you may not elect to even buy through high periods of uh, you know electricity costs. Um, we we were a very smart team in terms of how we're utilizing energy, and that's why our uh, energy intensity is 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 also maybe a quarter of the, of the global average. So it's been, uh, you know, that, that has been our, our inherent advantage. And, and that's why we we're, we've been the tip of the spear and, um, and, the, and the team's very excited, you know, about trying to find ways to, to reduce greenhouse gases and, and keep, uh, keep, keep things rolling in terms of uh, re reducing our, our energy intensity. Yeah. Let's talk about um, energy for a moment. You certainly touched on offshore wind and your plans to use that at one of your new plants. Um, what about hydrogen? I've heard a lot about hydrogen lately. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on using hydrogen in the future, or maybe even at some of your existing facilities? Yeah, boy, there's a there's certainly a buzz on hydrogen. Seems like you get questions on that, uh, or I get questions on that. You know, several several times a week and. You know the the simple fact is that you know EAF steel production that's the that's the technology that exists today and it can help us meet our climate our global climate targets and you know many folks are talking about moving away from uh, traditional blast furnace technology to new and so-called transformative technologies like hydrogen uh, you know why those technological advances will eventually be required to to reduce the steel sectors 
carbon footprint to, to net zero, you know, even in the best case, those, those break, breakthroughs, they're, you know, they're, they're years away, if not decades away from, you know, being scalable and commercially viable. So, you know, we can't ignore current uh, proven and available technology that we absolutely know uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt is going to address greenhouse gas emissions right now, um, not not decades from now. Now, it's clear that the, the greater global adoption of EAF technology alone make a huge impact on the on the climate change landscape, uh, but it's also going to create new and different challenges for our, for our industry. Scrap inputs for steel production globally have remained around, call it 35 percent since uh, since 2013. And the uh, you know, like the International Energy Agency recommends that the global market share of scrap inputs needs to reach over 40 percent by 2030 in order to meet these these goals of the Paris Agreement. And I'm certainly proud to say that our, our scrap input is uh, another another record high of about 75.4 percent of the, the steel that we produced you know, last year. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty high number. Um, and I think with hydrogen too, I, I mean, the problem right now is a lot with supply. Um, you know, it, it's certainly going to be part of our future and part you know, of the energy conversation. Um, but I think of the difficulty, I know, you know, we do a lot of work in the natural gas industry as well, and just the difficulty with getting some pipelines uh, for natural gas. So I can only imagine um, how we're going to, one, create the hydrogen as well as, um, you know, put the supply chain together. So yeah, I think uh, maybe less than a, a percent of the hydrogen created today is, is green hydrogen. And that's, right. you know, that's, that's what matters, you know, if it's, uh, if, if the hydrogen's being created with uh, the consumption of, of natural gas or coal, you're not really doing anything to, to, to reduce the carbon. So it's, it's, it's got to be, be green hydrogen. There's just not much of it right now in this country. What about DRI? Does Nucor make DRI? We do. We, uh, we have two large facilities that, uh, that, that, that make DRI. Uh, one in Louisiana and uh, one in in Trinidad, and you know we're we're the only you know North American steel company through our vertical integrated strategies that can produce in excess of four million tons of DRI. You know no one else can do that, um, and because DRI production uses natural gas, you know as a reductant, uh, that that process is about half as carbon intensive as as a coal-based alternative like uh you know like pig iron and at uh at Nucor we don't we don't believe in, in sitting back and and resting on past performance so we are actually looking at uh potential opportunities to to reduce or even utilize some 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 carbon capture at uh at at least one one of our our DRI facilities, so it's uh, it's an exciting time. And I know we've talked about you know your greenhouse gas emissions reductions. You know you talked about scope one, two, and three. Uh, I certainly understand the challenges, especially when we're talking about scope three emissions. Uh, it seems to be you know uh, never ending and undefinable. 
Um, so what has Nucor done to define their scope three emissions? What all are you including in that scope three? Yeah, as I, yeah, as I mentioned, we, we're, we're the only steel company, I believe, in the country that discloses our scope three. And, and we define that as, you know, what our most significant scope three emissions are. So, you know, anything associated with our you know, raw materials or transportation, you know, you, that, that, that's in that number. Um, looking at a teammates, you know, commute to work. That's, that's not, that's not included. It's just chasing those uh, smaller numbers. It's just not really worth, worth our time because it just doesn't amount to much in terms of our overall inventory. Um, you know, a lot of our competition ignores it. Uh, you know, you, you look at a, a lot of integrated steel mills that, like for instance, purchase Coke, um, that would be a, a scope three emission for them. And, and you, you don't see that included in, in their numbers. Um, you know, another example, if, if, if blast furnace gas, for instance, is, is going to a, uh, a power facility, um, to, to run a steam turbine, all of a sudden those aren't scope one emissions for the facility anymore. They're scope three. So you just, you just can't really ignore them. The, uh, in order to get the, the full picture in terms of greenhouse gas impact, you, you have to be looking at least at the, at the material scope three emissions and, you know, Nucor is an open book in that regard. And, and we have been for quite some time. So, you know, focusing on scope three, what are your targets or what are you intending to do to further reduce your, particularly your scope three emissions? Sure. We have a, we, we, we haven't set a, a hard target for scope three emissions just because um, they are difficult to completely define, but we have a lot of projects right now underway to, to, to look at ways to, to reduce scope three. Um, as I mentioned, carbon sequestration associated with DRI, uh, and, and even though DRI is a scope one for new core as an enterprise, it's a scope three for a steel mill. So it gets a little bit, uh, kind of nerdy walking through the uh, greenhouse gas accounting practices. That can be a whole other podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you've got, you know, pig iron, of course, there's, there's ways to, to create pig iron with uh, sustainably sourced charcoal. So that could be a, a big needle mover for, for scope three emissions. Um, there are, there are other ways that I can't get into exactly at this moment that we're, we're looking at creating iron that will, uh, you know, potentially be game changers in terms of uh, reducing scope three emissions as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a big part of, of our endeavor here because it, you know, we have a lot of customers that, as you imagine, want to understand what our scope three emissions are as well. And, and some of them are, are just as focused on scope three as they are on, on scope one and two. And, you know, keep in mind for our customers, all of our emissions are, are scope three emissions to them. So it's a, it's a big, piece of the puzzle here at Newport. Yeah, that's true. And again, there's just a ton of technology out there. And I think over the next few years, it's going to be just amazing to see all of the development, especially related to greenhouse gas emissions. But it seems like a lot, you know, talking about scope two, I guess, you know, energy, right? 
energy is is everything it, and we continue to use more and more energy just in our personal lives uh in in industries um we've talked about you know your offshore wind talked a little about about hydrogen but i saw something recently that nucor is investing in nuclear energy what's going on there yeah pretty excited we you know we we invested with new scale and nuclear energy has you know it's kind of got a, a mixed results when you when you when you talk to people about you know how they feel about it but we're, we're a strong supporter of nuclear energy we think it has to be a piece of the uh of the solution to climate because you can man you can just create a lot of electrons with without any carbon carbon in a really small footprint geographically compared to uh you know, a solar farm, for instance, or, or a wind farm. So we're, you know, we made an investment in, uh, in new scale and really, really hope to see something on, on the market, uh, really even perhaps by, by 2030, where we've got maybe one or if not two of our, our steel mills that are powered solely by, uh, you know, by these module, module nuclear reactors. So it's it's an exciting piece of it. Um, we we're we're invested in that heavily, and if you want to talk about electricity, also need to to mention virtual power purchase agreements. You know, we've entered into three of those. Uh, currently, one of them is is online and and ge generating renewable electricity. And um, how those work, of course, is it's a usually a a ten to twelve year commitment to to buy renewable electricity at a at a negotiated price so then the the solar or the the wind farm developer then has that uh, credit really from Nucor to be able to go to the bank and get the money they need to 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 build their wind farm or, or build their their solar farm and as a result we get all those uh you know renewable energy credits and we can we can retire those on behalf of customers that that, that want to uh, have steel made with 100% uh, renewable electricity, so that's been a, a you know an exciting piece of the puzzle for us as well. And I definitely think there needs to be a balanced energy portfolio. And you know, I love that Nucor has invested you know in the nuclear small modular reactors. Uh, as you may know, my husband spent. A number of years uh, working with a nuclear company, so I certainly uh, was got educated, especially on the small modular reactors or micro um, reactors as well. And I, I agree that nuclear needs to be a part of the conversation as well. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Leah, about the uh, sort of the, the the public perception of uh, of, of nuclear energy? Uh, how how difficult of a hurdle do you think that's going to be to uh, to to overcome for the industry to overcome? I still think um, it's going to be a difficult hurdle. Obviously, Fukushima is not far from our minds. Uh, still, um, granted, that was a special case, and you know, even just uh, Hollywood and it, what was it uh, on Netflix or HBO that uh, the Chernobyl miniseries was on. Um, you know, that, that was pretty interesting. I mean, honestly, I mean, really with any sort of energy, you need to do it safely. So I think we can continue to educate the public 
Um, you know, I think it has to come from top down as well. I think there needs to be some investment in this technology and, and in PR to, you know, to promote nuclear energy. Uh, certainly our government is looking into these small modular reactors and, and micro reactors. So um, I think if we see some of those installations and see those succeed, that it will become, you know, more commonplace for the industry then to, you know, to have the same technology. So I think, I don't know, part of me thinks that it kind of needs to start from, from the top. Yeah, you know, we've uh, we've been exploring a bunch of technologies and, and feasibilities, whether it's nuclear or other. And, and one of the things we've done, you know, we, we formed a uh, sustainable technology team because there's there's technologies coming out of the red you know woodwork, and you there's just so many to look at, and you know how many potentially bear fruit. So, you know, really this this group was established to just explore the. You know, number one, the the technical feasibility, and and number two, you know, does it does it make sense economically? And you know, we've we've evaluated dozens of projects, which are you know any anywhere from you know, really the the beginning stages of development to 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 others that are you know further further along. And and you know, I can I can just tell you, I've been I've been really impressed by the by the, by the amount of innovation that's that's already underway, uh, you know, both here at Nucor and, and around the world. I mean, especially even if you're talking about hydrogen, right? There's some bad connotations associated with hydrogen. And, and like I said, just trying to get that supply and, and do it safely. So I think there's going to be a number of, of hurdles to overcome for, for a number of different energy sources. So let's get back to steel. Um, does Nucor have any uh, low carbon steel to offer to their clients? Yeah, you know, we, we recently launched a, a new product family uh, known as Econic. Uh, it's it's the world's first ever net zero carbon steel offered at scale. It's it's not a single product. Uh, it's a it's a net zero certification, which means we, we can apply that to to any product that's that's made with uh, with Nucor steel. And our, our net zero product means that, you know, all greenhouse gases emissions associated with the uh, production of that steel are, are balanced with some sort of an equivalent amount being being removed. Uh, one way we do it, the, the VPPAs that I mentioned, those power purchase agreements, you know, we, we can use those recs to, you know, essentially uh, offset the, the, the scope to emissions. And then the, the second way with regard to our scope one emissions, we we're, we're buying these really high quality carbon offsets, but that's, you know, that's kind of a bridging mechanism. As I mentioned before, you know, we're maybe 75% uh, better than the, uh, than the rest of the world in, in terms of our greenhouse gas intensity. So uh, about half of what's left over, we're able to deal with, uh, with these power purchase agreement recs. And then that leaves you with, you know, almost maybe a little over 10% of, uh, of the global average. And it's just that little piece we're having to take care of with offsets until we're able to um, come up with some ways to reduce that carbon ourselves, you know, here internally at, 
at Nucor. And it's, you know, the, this iconic product is not only going to help us lower our carbon footprint, but they'll also help our customers achieve their ESG goals, you know, because because the, they know they're they're purchasing the the lowest greenhouse gas emission steel product available. And uh, one, one of the customers got to mention is is General Motors. You know, they received our, our first coil of Econic uh, earlier this year in January. And, you know, that that partnership we have with GM, you know, we just recently received this overdrive award from them, which is given to suppliers who display outstanding achievement and sustainability. Congratulations. So, yeah, total enterprise cost, profitability, you know, safety, launch excellence and innovation. Those are the those are the criteria for for overdrive. So uh, excited to get that and uh, and work with GM to be a, you know, a, a huge part of their uh, their plans to reduce carbon within their supply chain. Yeah, I'm sure GM appreciates that, you know, with um their aggressive goals to reduce carbon emissions as well. Um, so I guess it, it is pretty critical to be able to provide this low carbon steel. You know, in your opinion, you know, wh- why is it so critical? Why is it so important to be able to provide low carbon steel to your customers? Yeah, just just sticking with uh, you know the automotive piece. I was in Detroit uh, yesterday meeting with you know several customers and you. Know, at the end of the day, we're expecting 145 million electric vehicles to be on the road by by 2030. Um, that's a that's a huge number, considering you know, just a couple of years ago we were at four million. Um, so you figure it's a million or you know one ton of steel to to make one EV. So if you got 145 million EVs, you got 145 million tons of steel that's going to be required to to meet that demand. Uh, and it's a it's a pretty pretty easy math for uh, the, you know, the the OEMs and different automotive customers to figure out that uh, they can they can reduce the the greenhouse gases in that supply chain if they're if they're buying steel from Nucor and that's a that's a big part of the story that that we tell and they're they're very interested to to hear more about that and uh, and, and be a part of that. Not you know obviously not just not just GM so and with the new steel mill that we are we just announced in uh, West Virginia that CEC has been been helping us with on uh, on the on the permitting front as well as on the construction front doing a great job with that by the way right. you know a big a big piece of that is to uh, is to take more market share uh, in the, in the automotive sector so the the sustainability story it's a it's a it's a it's a huge commercial benefit and selling point for, for Nucor. And uh, we've, we've been highlighting that with, with all of our customers over the, over the last couple of years. Yeah. I think like you noted with um, the electric vehicles, that's really helped to increase a, a lot of steel companies are, are looking to expand and build new plants. Um, you know, basically due to the electric vehicles as well as other, you know, other industries and infrastructure. Have you guys thought about, you know, have installed any EV chargers in your corporate office or elsewhere? We're, we are, we are, we are, we are actually planning to do that. We have a solar solutions team here, here at Nucor, which is one of our big products right now is something called Power Shingle. And it is a, a, a structure that is, is waterproof. So it kind of, you know, it serves as a, 
you know, protection for the cars that park underneath it, but it's all solar panels on top. And because it's not a building, it is just a structure. It's the, the entire thing gets the, uh, gets, gets the, gets the tax credit. So we're, you know, we're, we're actually looking at putting, putting some, uh, solar stations right here in, in, in Charlotte and have explored that with, uh, you know, many of our customers, you know, with all the capital we're putting in, I mean, we're talking, you know, 12 billion in, in CapEx over the, over the last decade, uh, 5.5 billion more just, just announced. And, you know, the, the plate mill I talked about earlier in Brandenburg, uh, two mill in Kentucky, third generation, uh, High strength steel facility valve line down in uh, down in Arkansas, along with the coal mill to support that. Uh, we've got you know a new micro mill just announced here in North Carolina to go along with our micro mills in, in Florida and in uh, Missouri, and then of course nuclear Nucor Steel, West Virginia, three nearly a three billion dollar investment. They're uh, not far from Pittsburgh, so. Lots, lots going on, and and we'll have, I'm sure, uh, places to plug in EVs at, at all of our new facilities because we we like you have lots of teammates that are that are interested in it as well. And with all the new EVs uh, going on the road, you're just gonna you know, you're gonna have to have that. So uh, exciting times all the way around for for Nucor and uh, our sustainability approach here and. Obviously, I uh, really appreciate, as usual, spending time with you, Leah, and, and you having having uh, having us here today. It's been great. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm so glad that you were able to participate on this podcast. It's been fantastic learning more about your greenhouse gas emissions reductions, what Nucor has done and is looking to do as well. Um, and again, it's just been great uh, being a partner with Nucor. Uh, to help achieve these goals. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of CEC Explains, brought to you by Civil and Environmental Consultants. Got a question about this episode or an idea for our next one? Reach out to us at cecinc.com slash podcast. Don't miss an episode of CEC Explains. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Because when CEC explains, you're always invited to listen.